0: Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and
1: welcome to episode 103 of the Ortho Eval Pal podcast. I'm your host, Paul Marquis, and today I have with me orthopedic PA, Scott Walton, and um, today we're going to be talking about and chatting about the life of an orthopedic PA, the importance of the team approach, and much more. But before we get started, we'd like to take a moment to hear a word from our sponsor.
0: Do you experience leg and foot fatigue when standing for long periods of time? A main doctor and the company he founded, Mainly Technology Group, have created a high-tech all-Terrain chemical-free sock designed to reduce fatigue. The Easy Glider sock has a graduated compression weave to keep blood flowing and to keep you energized. Created by Dr. Lee Thibodeau, the Easy Glider is also frictionless, lightweight, warm, extremely durable, and wicks away moisture. The socks will stay fresh for days thanks to the organic antimicrobial agent, Kytosan. Easy Glider is the only sock you'll ever need for sports, work, and leisure. To find out more, visit EZGliderSocks.com. That's EZGliderSocks.com. Did you know that over 90% of foot and ankle problems are caused by a tight calf muscle? Introducing the Easy Slant, a durable, adjustable, and portable calf stretching device. The Easy Slant was designed to increase stretching compliance and get you back on your feet and feeling better faster. So if you work with patients seeking to ease or avoid foot pain, or clients who want to improve their athletic performance, look no further. Visit easyslat.com to learn more, or order yours today. Enter coupon code OEP for a 10% discount on your first Easy Slant.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Uh, today I have with me Scott Walton. Scott, thank you so much for being on the show with me. I appreciate
2: you offering. You're asking, Paul.
1: So, Scott and I have been treating patients for a long time. I've been a physical therapist for 27 years at the same practice. Uh, how many years have you been uh, an orthopedic PA, Scott?
2: I've been an orthopedic PA for approximately 16 years, uh, working in the same practice with the same supervising physician.
1: Okay. And prior to that, give me a little history on what you've been doing. How What
2: brought you to the, uh, the orthopedic PA world? Yeah, I... Um, I actually started out, I've only the only job I've ever had has been in medicine, so I started out as an 18-year-old, uh, as a surgical tech in the operating room. I got the opportunity to train and, and um, worked in all the specialties and absolutely fell in love with the operating room. Uh, ended up going back to changing my major, going back to school and uh, becoming an RN, um, and over the, the next approximately 15 years worked essentially in every role in the operating room and uh, all specialties. But... Um, early on, I identified that I, I just my niche was orthopedics. I, I, I loved the surgery, I loved the patients, I loved the fact that somebody came in and they were essentially broken, and you could fix them, and 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 they did they did well. Um, so I uh, really kind of honed my interests in orthopedics. Um, you know, as time went on, I realized kind of that wasn't all I wanted to do I wanted to 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 step out of the nursing role and get into more of a medical role so then I went back to school to become a PA And again, right from the the gate, I I realized orthopedics was what I was going to focus on.
1: Awesome, awesome. So you and I have been treating patients for, you know, many years together. We've seen a lot of mutual patients, had a lot of discussions. I mean, when I say a lot of discussion, this is before we get to work in the morning. This is at lunchtime. This is during work, oftentimes after work, and sometimes even on the weekends, we've had discussions on how to manage different cases. And I think that, you know, when we talk about the team approach, which we'll be talking a little bit... uh, more about later. When you find somebody who you can connect with and understand well, then having these conversations is crucial in, in regards to, you know, maintenance of care for the patient. Absolutely.
2: It's essential to have a good open line of communication with the people that you're, that you're co-managing patients with, whether that's a physical therapist, an occupational therapist, the nursing department, you're supervising physicians, uh, consulting physicians. You have to have a, the ability to, uh, to communicate with other providers in an efficient and, and effective way.
1: Right, right. So give me a little rundown about the, the typical day of an orthopedic PA. You know, you wake up in the morning, and, and what happens after that?
2: Well, oftentimes you lose some sleep in the night, worrying about what's going to happen the next morning. Uh, my typical day, you know, I wake up early, and I'm at the hospital around 6.15-ish, Um you're managing several different facets of a practice, so like we're, we're we're managing inpatients, making rounds, making sure I like to see all our patients before we end up in the operating room in the morning. So uh, just to make sure there's no issues that need to be resolved early on. Uh, touch again, you know, along your previous point, which is you know it takes extra time to to, to go to make the extra effort to be um, communicative with all these other providers. So I always seek out the nurse that's taking care of our patients and ask her face to face if there's problems, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, you
1: can't just fit this into an eight to five. It's day, not an eight to you know? five job. You yeah. start
2: early and, and you got to take the, I oftentimes find myself saying, you have to take that extra step every, every point in the day in order to be effective and to be efficient and to be, you know, that to make it, to make it perfect. So, um, and the operating room at 7.30, uh, doing surgeries most of the day, and then, uh, and then you know, ending up sometimes 5, 6, 7 in the afternoon or evening, so.
1: Sure, sure. Now, uh, you know, as in PT, uh, and, and, you know, with every other medical profession out there, you can specialize. Um, as far as specializing goes uh, with you, you know, what do you feel helped you the most regarding your comfort level? orthopedics now we asked the question you know several times and we've even seen some research on this where you know they've asked therapists how many years did it take before you felt comfortable evaluating patients and making a diagnosis and feeling comfortable with that diagnosis and then giving them some direction Um, so you've had some a few years under your belt what do you feel has made your you know your specialization better you know do you would you say it's going out to live CME courses online courses uh, mentoring maybe trial and error, you know, like when we're young, we make mistakes and then we learn from those mistakes. What, what do you feel, you know, really helped you specialize in orthopedics more?
2: All of the above. I mean, you know, CMEs, uh, you know, learning from everybody around you. I, I, one thing to circle back, I guess, is I remember the first day of my job, the first 15 minutes that I, I started, started working as an orthopedic physician assistant, my supervising physician said, you know, uh, one of his old mentors told him when he was a young doctor that um, the second you come to the hospital in the morning and feel like you know everything, that's the the day you should retire because you learn every day. You learn from anyone from, from the housekeeper to the neurosurgeon you learn from all of those people and and all of every little bit of information that you learn is one little piece to a puzzle and you slowly build that puzzle and you know doing this for 15 years 20 years 30 years the puzzle's never complete you, you just understand it more and more as you go along so whatever you can do to 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 add to that puzzle every it's your obligation it's not your it's not your you know your, it's not a luxury to be able to do that it's your obligation go to CMEs, speak to people that, that are intimidating to you because they're, you feel they're smarter than you, um, learn from them, you know, do whatever you can. And, yeah. And not be intimidated ongoing. by those people Absolutely either. You know? I, the, your, the, the, the first, your first initial, uh, you know, feeling is, geez, that guy knows so much more than I do. And I feel like I'm not, I'm not good or I'm, I'm, I'm subpar. I'm because I'm, because I'm not as good as he is and everybody seems to feel that way and and you, you kind of need to get rid of that early jump right in um you know not be afraid to put your foot in your mouth and say look I just don't understand what the hell you just said I don't yep. get it and explain yep. it to me like I'm 5 right. and they will and um and and you know at the end of it you come out better so that's yeah. an essential part of of, of evolving in and and I I think in any occupation that you have but it's you know it's essential and 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 medicine and especially in orthopedics
1: right so let's just go off script here a little bit i know you're not expecting this question uh, and um you know you walked in with a crutch today <laughs> you just underwent a procedure I about did. eight to nine weeks ago uh
2: yep
1: yeah so talk to me about that really quickly and uh, then i want to ask you a question about that so what was the procedure if you don't mind it, my asking it
2: was uh, an all-american hindfoot reconstruction with a subtalar fusion uh I had chronically flat feet and, and, and ruptured my posterior tibial tendon on, on one of my feet running in a marathon a few years ago, and I just developed worsening symptoms and couldn't, as much as I tried to pro- prolong it, I couldn't avoid it anymore, so I had, I had to have that surgery.
1: Yeah, so tell me a little bit about your learning experience, being at home, not being able to go to work, being off your feet for such a long time. Um, how, did that, how does that change your perception and the way you treat patients?
2: Well, I wouldn't recommend this avenue for, for education, but but it certainly is probably is a very valuable way for me to, to be, I mean, just to switch roles like that is essential. It, it, I've learned so much about what it's like to be a patient. Things that I never even dreamed of that I could have read in a book over and over and over again and wouldn't have understood like, you know, being non-weight bearing on one foot, how, how difficult that is functionally, how difficult it is on your wife and your children and your friends and and etc so yeah I've learned I've, the insight I've gained in the last two months is it wasn't fun but it was you know was beneficial yeah
1: kind of invaluable yeah, and yeah. Uh, I'm sure you'll be looking at things a little bit differently Absolutely. as you go ahead when you're treating patients and, and seeing people in, you know, kind of in your situation um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, you know the, the team approach okay we all know that it's an excellent way to maximize patient outcomes but what do you feel? Every team should focus on the most to make it run optimally?
2: Well, I, mean, I think before we answer that, you have to define what you mean by a team. I mean, so if you're talking about what it's about being a, an orthopedic PA, you know, the core relationship that you have is with your supervising physician. Um, and that's the team, that first team that you have to really, really work on. Um, you know, orthopedic surgeons are 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 skilled. They've trained for years and years and years. They're masters of their craft. Um, and, and physician assistants, especially young ones, come out of school as a general practitioner. Um, so you know, the first two years of your of your job in orthopedics is essentially a residency program, and and you need to treat it like that. Um, you need to um, get comfortable. You know, asking questions, just like we spoke about before, asking questions. You know, not not getting caught up in the fact that you don't know something, but more so, you know, driving forward to learn it as best that you can. Um, that process starts, you know, on your, on your first day as an orthopedic PA and continues throughout your career. Um, that is the the building block of the team, uh, uh, t- you know, that team you're setting up with your orthopedic provider that you work with. Right. Um, if you don't have that. It's gonna, it's gonna come to a screeching halt, you know. Yeah. So essentially, you practice within his scope of practice, and 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 you have to establish that early on.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, would you say that the patient is part of the team? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, of I think I think communication. We often talk about all the medical providers who are part of this team. You know, from nursing to athletic trainers to physical therapists, occupational therapists the PA, FNP, and uh, the orthopedic surgeon and whoever else is in the medical field, but we we often don't talk about that patient and how important it is to listen to that patient um, and listen to what their goals are, what their expectations are, and uh, also, you know, to talk about, you know, what's home life like and, and, you know... You may not be an athlete, but you do want to be functional. You want to have less pain. And so I think, you know, talking to the patient and making them part of that team is critical. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Scott, uh, things are going to get a little deeper here. Uh, we've had several conversations about this in the past, and I don't claim to know everything about orthopedic surgery or about the role of an orthopedic PA and what they play in the, in the, in, you know, in the role of the patient care. Um, is it fair to assume that surgeons, orthopedic surgeons, and PAs don't know everything about physical therapy? Of course not, no. Okay, so, um, you know, we've known each other for a long time. We've had some very blunt and honest, you know, uh, conversations with each other and and how to manage patients and take care of their situations. Um, And, and of course, it's always in the best interest of the patient. What kind of advice would you give to a new grad PT when it comes to communicating, you know, with an orthopedic surgeon and how an orthopedic PA can help in this situation? Because, you know, when I was fresh out of school and um, I had an orthopedic patient, that came in and it looked like, you know, there were complications and I wanted to call the orthopedic surgeon. It's not always easy to get in touch with an orthopedic surgeon, okay? And sometimes you feel, you feel really, you know, um, it's hard to say, you, you feel like you could, you have difficulty communicating with that surgeon. How can the PA make this situation and this process a little better? And I feel totally comfortable calling anybody at this stage in my life, um, because I've had a lot of experience. But how do young PTs get to communicate with orthopedic doctors better?
2: Um, well I mean I think it's it goes back to the fact that, you know, as when you're just just like you said, when you're fresh out of school and you don't have a lot of experience and, 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 and or confidence it's it's not being afraid to jump right in and and understanding you may say something that isn't correct or you may you may do something that you regret say something that's criticized or whatever but that's okay that's part of the process right that's part of the learning yeah. process I mean I think it's I think it's I think it's important for for young providers PAs PTs OTs whatever in order to, to understand that in orthopedics you know there's several different ways to do the same the same thing so if you're talking about a surgery there's several different ways to fix a certain pathological problem in orthopedics and not one way is better than the other necessarily um i don't you know you you could argue that for for days which technique is better which surgery is better i don't i don't think anybody knows but um, um essentially you know they need to improve their own knowledge base their own experience their own confidence and that takes time jump right in speak to the, the orthopedic surgeon as much as you can um, as how, how can the P, orthopedic PA help with that I mean I think orthopedic pas are a little bit um, a little bit more accessible throughout the day um, and I think that's just the nature of the beast I know like I've you know so many people have my cell phone number because I give it to people because I want them to call me um, one of the one of the one of the the essential kind of Uh, roles of a PA on an orthopedic team is to is to make our practice our team more efficient and one of the things that I how I identify that is 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 you know communicating with you know all the providers that are involved with taking care of our patients nurses PTs OTs etc and um, you know when they call we can take the extra time we can discuss patients we can discuss cases we can um, you know make improvements in their care um, and I think that that open line of communication, that back and forth of communication, not only helps the the young physical therapist, but it helps the physician assistant again putting that puzzle together and saying, "I understand this a little bit better." Better um, from a PA's perspective, I think it's important that you understand that you know you still need to have that communication with the surgeon. So if, if I get a call from a young physician, uh, a physical therapist that says, I'm concerned with one of our your patients and they're not doing so well, I'm still going to have that conversation with the orthopedic surgeon. Um, I might be able to put it in a more concise way or, 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 or sift through some of the things that aren't as concerning or, or, or you know and give him a more concise report. But, um, but I think it's important that that communication flows all the way to the, to the surgeon and then all the way back to the provider that's... That, that has the questioner that's providing the care right excellent
1: thank you i think that uh, you know when i was younger i used you know i use you a lot at first, uh, to just try to get that word across, you know, like I, th- I have a patient who I think might have an infection or, you know, we're really, uh, you know, this ACL patient's uh, lacking extension and just can't fire that quad off. And we're having some issues here. Um, and there's getting to you having a conversation and you talking to um, the uh, doctor that you're working with and then getting back is just absolutely huge. So I think that's that's critical and that's key. Um, so thank you for that. Um, it just makes it a little easier for everybody in regards to, uh, you know, good communication with the provider. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: Scott, I'm going to put you on the spot now. Um, this is going to be like rapid fire questions here. So, um, you know, what is the best part of your job?
2: The best part of my job? Um, <laughs> that's a hard question, I guess. The best part of my job in, in, in all honesty is, is being a part of this team that affects patients that, 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 that. As um, being a part, a, a crucial part of a team that that could take somebody that's that you know has some sort of musculoskeletal problem and and improve that, cure it, get it to go away, improve their function, and 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 then seeing those patients out and about in, in our community and um, and you know knowing I had a, a role in that, so that's probably the best part of my, excellent. my job. Excellent, excellent. What's your favorite diagnosis to treat? Um, I I I do like. Osteoarthritis, the pathology of it, and and the, and adult reconstructive arthroplasty—that's probably my one of, the, one of my favorite parts of orthopedics. That I, but again, you know, it's like when you're when you're a young PA student, you love this the subject you're studying. So right. I do like trauma, I do like sports medicine, and, and you know, Excellent. but I think arthroplasty is probably my favorite. Yeah. When you evaluate a patient. What percentage of your
1: diagnosis comes from performing special tests, like diagnostic special tests, like the empty can test or, um, you know, drop arm test, uh, things like that?
2: Um, Well, I'm going to take a step back before I answer that question and and kind of emphasize how important I feel the history is um, in a patient, taking a patient's history. Uh, I had a mentor when I was a PA student, Eric Fogg, one of my really, really good friends, and... I'll never forget him. He was my instructor as well, and I'll never forget him saying, "You know, patients will tell you what's wrong with them. You just have to to let them, yeah. and, and or sometimes help them tell you, um, and you know, explain that the medicine is an art, and taking a history is an art. You're not you're you're, you're better at it your fifteenth year than you are your first year, and and that's so true, and it's so crucial. Um, so you know." When I approach any patient with any problem, you know, it, it all starts with their history, and I let them tell me what's going on. And then in my mind, I'm formulating a list of, you know, differential diagnoses that this may that 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 may include. So you know, is it acute, is it chronic, etc. Um, moving on to your physical examination kind of helps you rule in or rule out certain things, and then the special tests kind of oftentimes drive it home. You know, yeah, right. and, and you get to that point where you say, okay, it's either this or that, or is this an ACL tear or not? And you rely on the special tests to, to you know, for that slam dunk, to, to make your diagnosis.
1: Great. I'm glad you finished it up that way because, um, you know, we talk a lot about you know special tests, and we emphasize it so much in school, especially when you're learning orthopedics. Um, but but you're absolutely right. I think that it's just a small part of the evaluation, and some people just spend so much time and get so caught up. And they might even start an evaluation with doing special tests, and it just leads you down the wrong path right. um, because not all uh, all um, special tests are um, definitive and I think you're, you're correct you get a good history you listen to the patient and then with with listening comes you know good evaluation skills and then you can better manage not only treat the patient but better manage the patient um, through good treatment and proper diagnostic imaging and uh, you know whatever else it takes in regards to uh, getting them better
2: I so, think if you're going to come if you're going to emphasize something to a, to somebody in school about special tests it's it's far more important to get. To get good at the whole process of take, you know, getting a history and doing a thorough physical evaluation, including special tests, um, than it is, and, and it's important to mention, than it is relying on diagnostic tests. I think a lot of people jump too quickly to saying, "Well, I, I don't, I didn't really, you know, I don't really understand what's going on with this patient, so I'll, I'll start, I'll start doing some diagnostic testing and figure it out." And like diagnostic imaging, you mean? Exactly. Well, like MRIs, X-rays, MRIs, X-rays etc. You know, they yeah. jump to that before they really exhaust the first part of the process, right. and and um, that can be dangerous. You can, you know, jumping to an MRI and relying MRIs are 75 percent accurate, depending on the on the reader and, and the you know uh, you know the the MRI machine, etc. And the, the sequences and protocols. So you know, you, you don't want to hang your hat on the results of an MRI. You right. Know, you, you want to hang your hat on what you truly f- feel is, is your diagnosis based on your history and physical examination.
1: Yeah. And as you may or may not know, that's why I started OrthoEvalPal. It it was, you know, I was getting, some I was being frustrated and I know some of you may have some reaction to this and I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, you know, I was getting really frustrated with uh, somebody coming through the door at a provider's office and, you know, uh, with shoulder pain. And so they were prescribed the medication, they were given an injection and ordered an MRI or an x-ray of the shoulder. And um, to, to try to get to the answer, so I, you know, I'm really, really big on good clinical exam. And then if you need something to back you up, then you go to that diagnostic imaging and you should be able to take them and put them side by side. Take your clinical exam results and put that image side by side. And if they can, if you can put them over each other and they look exactly alike, then great. That really pinpoints your direction and, and your diagnosis and it's very, very helpful. But if they don't match up, you need to be thinking in other directions. You need to be looking outside of the box and um, just start asking more questions or do more testing. And uh, it's not always... You know cut and dry as yeah. you know uh, a lot of them are not they're very complicated but I think if you can start matching those up together better um, we could save a lot of money and a lot of time on diag- diagnostic imaging unnecessary diagnostic imaging and um, just spend more time with the patients and get them better you know if it's conservative management injections um, or whatever it might be um, before uh, getting too excited about jumping to the diagnosis you know, and
2: I think image. that oftentimes it is more complicated you know what i mean it, it's 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 ver it's always it's always gray it's very rarely black and white and it's okay to stop mid-process. It's okay to 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 do your best history and physical, and then order some tests and say this just doesn't this this isn't adding up. So you know, as opposed to continuing down the wrong path, just stop and circle back and see the patient again, and 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 you know, take another history again, and let's just let's just revisit this and 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 examine them again. Or like we've done on several several different occasions, is use other providers. I tell or you know, I, I tell young uh medical students or pas that, that are just training um, that you know utilize physical therapists utilize occupational therapists there you you guys are masters of physical examination you, you do it every day you know more often probably than we do so you know if I have a if I have a patient that I you know I'm just not 100 percent sure on a Lockman's exam. I'll just have you guys see this patient and see what you think, and and you know help help corroborate my MR findings with what your physical exam is, and 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 great great utilizing other assets in the in the team are are, are an effective way to to kind of get to that point. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, we could
1: talk all day about orthopedics. We have in the past. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we, Scott and I have really worked on a lot of people. We've had really good success. Uh, and I think a big part of it is that we have great communication with each other and with our patients and our patients. And, and we understand each other. So when we talk to our patients, we know what the expectations are. Um, so, Scott, you know, we have a lot of medical providers who listen to the Pal podcast show. And, you know, if somebody had questions for for you regarding you know you know and maybe they're a student uh pa a pa student and they want to learn a little bit more about you know being an orthopedic pa or they have questions how could they connect with you uh well i mean you I, have an email address absolutely, i can give you my and then email. what we'll do is we'll put that on the show in the show notes and so, you can just click on that and, and that'll take you to Scott's. yeah and
2: i would say you know i i I'm often accused of talking people to death about orthopedics because it's my passion. I love it. So you know, we we've always you and I seem to always be the guys staying late, answering questions, talking about it over and over again. I view that as a way to continue to build on my puzzle. So the more I can talk about stuff, the more uh, in orthopedics, the 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 more I'm I'm learning. So I would I, I would I look forward to people contacting me with anything I can do to help them. You know get better at, at what they're doing
1: great well thank you uh, what we'll do is we'll put Scott's email uh, in the show notes and uh, that way you can uh, you can just click on that and uh, connect with Scott if you have any questions uh, or you know connect with me and I can uh, relay that to Scott also and uh, we can bring those questions up later um, so Scott you know I can't thank you enough uh, for being on the show today I really appreciate your insight uh, I always learn something whenever I uh, talk to you and uh, again you know I, I hope to be able to have you on the show again at some point maybe we I, maybe we take a diagnosis And um, we we take the approach of how do we treat this from a PT and orthopedic PA standpoint? uh, Talk about our uh, you know how we would treat this similarly and maybe our uh,
2: differences on certain diagnoses. Right. No, I would I would I would love to do that at any any time. All right. Thank you for having me.
1: Great, no, yeah, glad to have you. Um, well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed the show today. And uh, please remember to send me your questions about orthopedics, and I'll be sure to answer it on the show. We, we're going to add a new segment to the show where we're answering your questions, and uh, then we will continue with the topic at hand. So get in touch with me at paul@orthovalpal.com. I'll have that in the show link, uh, the show links today. And um, you know, please rate us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, we're pretty much found everywhere. Just put Valpal in there, and we'll jump right out at you and uh, don't forget to check out our uh, youtube channel Uh, we're putting up uh, videos all the time recently some really interesting videos with uh, patients with orthopedic issues uh, that you can see you can take a look at how we evaluate those patients you can uh, constructively criticize how i evaluate patients and uh, hopefully you take a few key points i don't get into um Extreme detail with everybody because they're videos of patients who are sitting here and being kind enough to let us video them. But I usually like to um, get some key points um, that will make your evaluation skills better and increase your confidence with the evaluations. Um, and uh, so make sure that uh, you uh, you know leave any comments you have in the, in on our uh, page and um, our email. So again, thank you so much for being with us, and uh, hope you uh, stick with us for the next show. Have a great day.
0: We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.